The Founding Fathers, American Revolution, Our Constitution, Our History, America. Thanks so much for tuning in as we discuss the people, places, events, and battles that turned 13 separate colonies into the greatest nation on earth, the United States. As the year 1764 came to an end, the colonists in all the colonies were increasingly angry with the Sugar Act, which we covered in great detail on our last show. And it really isn't unreasonable to think that collectively they started having some resentment, uh, actually anger and a sense of, yo, hey, this is not fair. That mentality really started to grow. So hopefully they thought 1765 would in fact be a better year and it can only get better, right? Uh, not exactly, because Grenville, who was the prime minister in England, he decided that, you know what, I think it's a good idea to invoke even more acts in an effort to get some money from the colonies, because they still needed to offset the huge debt of the French and Indian War. You know, our third show covered that war in detail, so if you haven't listened to that, I would strongly recommend that you go back, because it really provides a good backstory and a solid foundation so you'll have an idea of all the events leading up to where we are now in our current show. So in March of 1765, a new act. Now, like I mentioned before, anytime you hear act, just replace the word act with a tax because that's pretty much all it is. But anyway, March of 65, a new tax or act was set in motion. And of all the acts, and there were lots that England imposed on the colonies, this one likely you have heard about and you've even spoke about. Enter the Stamp Act. So you may have already know some of the details, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper so you have a good understanding of it and more importantly, why it caused such an uproar with the colonists. Basically, it was a giant slap in the face to all the colonists. It put a tax on any legal document, anything that you wanted to use had to have a stamp on it, hence the Stamp Act. This act required all legal documents to have a stamp on it, and that proved that you have paid your taxes. So it wasn't just stamps. So it actually included wills, court documents, certificates, deeds, Basically, anything that they could add that to, they did. Uh, playing cards, dice, certain types of paper like parchment, and primarily what newspapers of the day used. It actually even taxed hiring apprentices. So in short, I guess you could consider that the first form of income tax for employees. It boggles my mind that they impose this on paper. Who are the two biggest, most powerful types of entities back in the mid-1700s. Lawyers and newspapers. That's the only way that you fight and protect and sue people, right, in the court of law. And the they didn't have Google. They didn't have internet. They didn't have phones, faxes, right? Everybody got their information from broadsides or newspapers. So you're putting taxes 
on two of the most powerful way to get information out. So I never quite understood uh, the reasoning behind that other than they were used a lot and they thought it would generate uh, a lot of money. But you've just hit on two groups that can get some information out to the masses. So that backfired a little bit uh, on them. So basically the Stamp Act, it was a direct tax that was imposed on the colonies. It was without the consent of the legislatures. And it was a convenient way to tax the newspapers and broad size, right? Because if you didn't have a stamp on it, they could shut you down. Now, who in the world would shut down or try to control the presses, right? They did, in fact, uh, impose or restrict people from publishing negative stories about England and they could control the narrative. Does that sound like anything familiar possibly going on today? We don't want to get into that for now, but that tax allowed them a way to kind of control what was said about England. Now, England was super desperate for money. Uh, the French and Indian War left them about 140 million pounds in debt. Now, that in today's money, it's kind of hard to actually compute because there's like 15 algorithms and things to take in place, but or to take into consideration. But I estimate it to be 1.5 billion dollars. And since England sent over troops and protected the colonies during the French and Indian War, and they housed soldiers and kept military there afterwards, they felt like the colonies should chip in and offset some of the cost. After all, it was all about the colonies. Well, technically, it was and it wasn't. They England was protecting their land, their empire, um, but the narrative that they used was claiming that it protected all the colonists and that they should help offset the cost. And really, the, the tax on items weren't very high. It wasn't exorbitant. It seems to make sense and reasonable to expect some payback for all that they did. They weren't necessarily upset about how much or how little the tax was. But the bigger issue was they had absolutely zero say in the in the whole matter. So having taxes thrust upon them without their consent was the core issue. Not not the fines, not the costs it mandated. The fact is, is that they were told to pay taxes on all these items and it superseded the colonial legislatures. And that's what got people really thinking. Now, Grenville, who came up with these taxes, he thought about taxing each colony um, across the board the same, but that wouldn't really work because the colonies had wide range of populations. So then he thought, well, let's tax each colony separately. In my personal opinion, he was searching for something and knew that neither one would work, um, and nor would the colonists buy into or agree to it, but he did have to try something. And the crazy thing is, is let's say you know you're you're back in 1765 and you have the Stamp Act and you have all these new taxes that you have to pay. What if you just said, you know what, I'm not going to pay this. I'm going to use whatever paper I want. I'm going to use my playing cards. I'm going to roll the dice and family and friends and have fun. And uh, I'm going to do what I want when I want. You could actually do that. And some of them did. But here's the kicker. If someone was caught using any of those newly taxed items that did not have a stamp on it, you could be charged with a crime. Now, that's not so horrible 
but the problem with that is you could be tried anywhere in the British Empire. So if you are in Virginia and you get caught printing a newspaper without the tax on it, they could charge you with a crime and then guess what? You didn't go to the local court. You would have to pay your way and go to Nova Scotia or Canada and not even have a jury of your peers, not even have a jury. You would stand in front of a judge and plead your case. Now, do you think you'd actually win any of those? Probably not. And it's a, it's absurd. Like, I'm going to charge you with this crime uh, for not paying a tax that you really had no say in the matter. But now that I've charged you, you need to pay for your uh, travel costs, food costs, court costs, everything that you need to defend yourself, which isn't going to do anything anyway, you have to pay for. I mean, and the chances of winning were pretty much non-existent. So that was more, I think, uh, a way to deter them was like, oh, if I get caught, I'm going to have to go through all this. But nonetheless, you, you had a few choices. None seemed great. One, don't pay and risk being charged with a crime. Two, pay the small tax and be a good little boy. Or a third and more unlikely option would be to rebel and fight back. So the Stamp Act was not anything that helped England's cause. It really generated some income for them, but not, a, not as much as they at Grenville was hoping for because everybody started to kind of get together and talk about the unfairness and how this was not going to be something that the colonies or colonists agreed upon. So the other act that was uh, invoked by England was called the Quartering Act. This was initiated like a few days within the Stamp Act. Actually, it was two days after the Stamp Act. So it kind of came as a double blow to the colonists. And the Quartering Act uh, has a little bit of confusion with it for those of you who have studied it. Um, the Quartering or Housing Act, it did not guarantee that England's um, soldiers could come to your house and live in your house. Now, the TV series on, I think it's Netflix, Turn, it's a wonderful show. Um, I love all the characters. Um, I would say maybe 70% accurate, but it's still great entertainment. Um, but you'll see in that show where uh, English England's soldiers come and they just start living in the houses. That actually did happen, but it was very, very, very rare. The, the Quartering Act made it so that the soldiers had a place to live and a place to eat because they're going to need a lot more soldiers to enforce the Stamp Act. And so where are you going to put all these folks? So the colonists were not very open to quartering them in years past, like during the French and Indian War. Uh, but with this new act, they didn't have a choice. If soldiers showed up on your doorstep needing a place to stay, you would be required or forced to provide them room and board for them in your barn, your stable, or any outbuilding on your property. And again, the act did not include your home or dwelling, but I actually pulled up a couple instances where that did take place. They they said, I'm staying in your house. I'm not going to sleep out with the horses. But that, I believe, was few and far between. Uh, the, the TV show Turns seems to make it that's the way it was everywhere. So it wasn't. Um, now, if they didn't have enough room with uh, barns and stables and all of that, that means that they could go to businesses like right in the center of town 
and business owners would have to house them in their inn, their tavern, or other businesses. So no matter where they stayed, on somebody's property in an outbuilding or in town at a business, you as the owner would have to provide them a place to sleep, a bed, linens, and food. Now, 1765, you didn't go to Costco and stock up for six months, right? So food was, well, it was an arduous task that happened all the time. So now instead of just providing for your family, you get to provide for X amount of soldiers. Uh, sometimes it was as little as two and sometimes it was 12. So um, can you imagine if that was taking place today? Like, how would you feel having to feed and house soldiers at your own expense? On top of having to pay taxes on paper and the myriad of other items that also fell under the Stamp Act. Now, you might be thinking that this would make you mad and upset. You, all, you might also be thinking, hey, if something like this happened today, I would dot, dot, dot. Well, things like this are in fact happening today, and it's from our own government. Businesses are being forced to comply with masks, forced vaccinations. It's led to countless businesses having to close their doors. People are forced to make a very difficult, horrific decision. In other words, you can keep your job if you get the vaccine um, or just, you know, easy, just go get another job. Well, what if you're a nurse or a doctor or in the medical uh, profession? It's not like you can just quit and easily go to another hospital because more and more hospitals are mandating this. Now, I'm not going to get into the political nightmares about whether the vaccine works or whether it doesn't and blah, blah, blah. I definitely have my uh, personal opinions on that, but that's not what this podcast is for. But I do bring all of these up because what's happening in the news today, if you compare the two, you can see the similarity of what is happening now happened back then. Now you've all heard history repeats itself or any other saying that everybody kind of dismisses. If you don't study history, you're gonna repeat it. We, it appears, are repeating history. Unfortunately, this isn't the great part of history that we wanna repeat. And it's of my opinion that if the United States of America saw what the United States of America was doing to its own people, the United States of America would invade and help those citizens, us. And it's just something that all people that love this country and are patriots and believe in the founding should really take note and be prepared and get involved. So it's difficult to have a sit down meeting with the president of the United States, right? But you can sit, write letters, send emails, uh, have a personal meeting with your governor, your senator, your representative. Well, gosh, I don't want to do all that. They're never going to see me. I'm just one person. It's not going to do any good. Well, I just want to remind you that in the American Revolution, which we're going to continue to get into the fighting uh, eventually, but militias were very important. I think a lot of people, when they hear the word militia, they picture 150 colonial soldiers with uniforms and guns, and they're fighting the oppressiveness of England, right? They're, militia 
was a group of normal citizens like you and I that got together and fought for what they believed in. So militias were not some offshoot of the Continental Army. They did fight alongside them because it it got to fighting eventually. But militias are important. Militias are individual people that care about the country in which they live. They care about the freedoms. They care about other people's well-being, the freedom of choice. And when those freedoms are infringed upon, militias would join together, usually from small cities, Uh, But then they would kind of go from city to city to city and band together. Now, here's the kicker. Militias, again, are just normal folks like you and me. Militias are so important that it's mentioned 11 times in our Constitution. That should tell you something. If you are unhappy with the way things are going, don't just dismiss it. Get involved at a local level. Get involved with your school board. Get involved with whatever section, whatever department, whatever place that you feel you could do good. Our freedom is important. Our freedom is also taken for granted. Our freedom is like, oh, we just get it when we're born. But if you think freedom can never disappear from this country, uh, you got another thing coming. And I don't want to sound melodramatic, But I do want to recommend freedoms are being infringed upon and it's important to learn how this country was formed, what they did to do that, what challenges they overcome, and is the premise and the whole reason that I take time and do this podcast. Our next show is going to cover one of Patrick Henry's famous speeches, the Virginia Stamp Act resolutions, and the Stamp Act Congress, which will finally bring 1765 to a close. Oh, just another thing, we're going to be launching a patriotic clothing line soon, so be watching for that. Uh, The four Fs, Faith, Family, Freedom, and Farm, because we're living on a farm. So anyway, be watching for that. I want to leave you with a short clip from Joe Rogan. It's super powerful and very accurate and something that should be heard by all true American patriots and those that just assume freedom is guaranteed and it's just part of being born and being living here in the United States. I do want to let you know that he does curse a couple times. Um, He uses the F word. So if you have little ears nearby, now would be a good time to have them leave the room for a couple minutes. As soon as you give politicians power, any kind of power that didn't exist previously, if they can figure out a way to force you into carrying something that lets you enter businesses or lets you do this or lets businesses open, historically, they are not going to give that power up. They find new reasons to use. I'll be back. We have to protect those freedoms at all costs, whether you agree with people's choices or not, because it is the foundation that this country was founded on. Freedom. This idea of freedom. There's so many people that think it's frivolous, it's not important, it's not the main thing that we should be focused on, but it is the literal structure that allows this country to be so fucking amazing. Every single country that's ever existed other than the United States, up until 1776, every fucking 
betting country that has ever existed was run by dictators, all of them. This is the first experiment in self-government that actually worked, and it created the greatest superpower the world's ever known. It created the greatest cultural machine, the greatest machine of art and creativity and innovation right fucking here. And how did it do that? It did it through freedom. And as soon as you see something, anything that comes along and inhibits your freedom, you should be very cautious of that thing. You should be very suspicious. Because anything that comes along that can inhibit your freedom is, by definition, anti-American. Thanks for listening and hope that you tune in next time with us here at the Patriot Power Podcast. Make sure that you hit subscribe so you'll get notified when our new episodes are available for you. And we hope that you check out our websites, which include our show notes, links, documents, and more at PatriotPowerPodcast.com or ILoveGeorgeWashington.com. Until next time, hope that you and your family have a blessed week. And remember, be safe and tell a veteran thanks for their service.